In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Christ is among us. Dearly beloved, we hear this from the book of Isaiah. He had no form or glory, and we saw him. And he had no form or beauty. But in comparison to all men, his form was lacking in honor. He was a man in suffering, and he knew how to bear sickness. Although he was ill-treated, he opened not his mouth. He was led to a sheep slaughter, and as a lamb silent before his shears, he opens not his mouth from the reading of Isaiah. Again, we stand at the threshold of the great Lent, the great fast, 10 weeks before the glorious feast of Pascha, the resurrection of Christ. We began our preparation for the glorious and awesome mysteries of the passion and death of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. It was for this reason that he, the very Son of God himself, came into the world to die for us and for our salvation. For the next 40 days, we will anticipate the great and holy Passion Week. 40 days out of 365 is approximately one-tenth of the year. And as the hymns of this first week of the Lenten period reflect, we offer our thighing of time in doing more than what we have done throughout the rest of the year. More fasting, more prayer, more church attendance and participation in divine services, more works of charity and love and generosity and forgiveness, more scripture reading and meditation, all of which assist us in spiritual growth and closeness to our sweet Savior, Jesus, and help to prepare us for the end of his earthly life. While there are many important themes and motives throughout these days and weeks, which already began three weeks ago, our focus remains the same. Our Lord began in advance to prepare his disciples for his impending crucifixion. We hear in the gospel reading on the fifth Sunday of the great fast, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, according to the gospel of Mark. Then he tells them precisely why to be delivered up to die. Can you even begin to imagine the panic and the fear, the anxiety and the confusion, the uncertainty and the disbelief that must have struck the hearts of those followers? How could such things as these that he described happen to the one who healed the blind, healed the crippled, healed the deaf, healed the possessed, and those afflicted with many other maladies? How dare anyone consider perpetrating such a crime on one who raised from the dead the widow's only son? 
the daughter of Jairus and Lazarus. How could anyone put to death the one who blessed the little children who flocked to him, who offered forgiveness and compassion to so many who were weak and lost the fall of sin? How did his followers desert him at this crossroads? No, instead they did what they had set out to do. They continued to follow him in order to witness these events that would transpire. And at this most holy time, we are called upon to do likewise, to follow him to the bitter end. And when in our human existence we receive word that a loved one, a relative or friend is very ill, who has contracted a disease that will most likely take his life, out of compassion and love, we make haste to be with that person, to offer comfort and support through visits, cards, telephone calls, and most importantly, prayers. In this way, we prepare them for the mystery of death. Can we do any less for our God? Is it not appropriate then that we do the same for the Lord of glory whom we profess to love? Let us therefore make a vow to follow him now during the season of Lent and then especially during Holy Week, the Passion Week. As you hear the events of the Passion unfold, envision yourself within that selected group of 12 and watch the master's ordeal and weep for him and with him as he accomplishes our salvation. Look upon this man of sorrows, as Isaiah calls him. See the horrible agony he endured in the Garden of Gethsemane, the arrests and the trial, the whipping, the spitting, the crowning with thorns, the carrying of the cross, and the nailing of his sacred body to that cross. Witness how nature responds. The sky darkened at midday, the quaking of the earth, the tearing in two of the veil of the temple. See how he is jeered and mocked even as he dies. If you have taken the time to see the movie, The Passion of Christ, that was in theaters a few years ago and is available for home viewing, you will observe and comprehend how terrible this kind of death crucifixion was. And it should invoke tears from your, your own eyes. On the other hand, however, we also need to remember that this man is more than a brutalized man. He is the God-man who offers his life freely. The icons of the crucifixion, we see less of the gruesome details that Jesus suffered. Instead, we see him as the victor over death, sin and the devil, and the world. He's depicted in a more regal manner. Even the sign above his head reads, King of Glory rather than description, the king of the Jews. It is terrible that any man should die this way, especially a good man. But even less fair is it that the, he completely 
be the innocent one, sinless and all-loving and all-forgiving, all-compassionate God should succumb to this manner. This is the mystery and this is the beauty of our faith. In the name of the Father and of the Son and Holy Spirit, amen.